Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CANADALAND to get 10% off of your first purchase. This episode of Shortcuts is also brought to you by frankenoak.com, where right now you can purchase an outfit, a pair of pants and a shirt, for 79 bucks. Head to frankenoak.com slash first dash time. That's first time with a hyphen in between. Ashley Chinati, reporter for the National Post. It's been too long. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. It's great to see you too. We are going to be talking today about the cops in Montreal surveying reporter Patrick Lagasse for the press and everything that that means. And we're going to be talking about this uh, ongoing heritage ministry process to reimagine, rethink, and rebuild Canadian content for a digital world. Give us money, please. <laughs> Welcome back to Canada Land Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Don Bazelli, Dalton Holloway, Tim Riberick, Christine McIntyre, 
Mark Graziani, Steve Pakin, Hugh McSween, and Dexter Fergie. Dexter, why did you decide to be awesome? Because walking my dogs and taking the bus to UBC have never been more thoughtful. Ashley, this episode is also brought to you by like 3,000 patrons, 3,000 supporters. Through Patreon, we have had an incredible turnout for this year's crowdfunder. We are still doing it. We're still asking because we need that insulation. We've hit all of these goals. Our next goal is a new producer. I can't complain. We've done so well and people have really stepped up, but we've seen it happen that when we when it turned from October to November, we immediately lost hundreds of dollars in funding. People's credit cards expire. So while we are still in crowdfunding month, I am still gonna ask people, if you listen to the show, if you listen to our Monday show, if you listen to The Imposter, if you read our news stories, if you think that this country is better having Canada land than not, think about what it's worth to you. Think about what a sandwich costs. Think about what a pack of gum costs. Think about what's comfortable for you. We still need your help, be it a dollar a month, $5 a month. And I think that everybody should just check out, if you haven't already, the swag, because we have cool stuff. Uh, which is not why people support us, but it's nice. People like swag and we're sending off hundreds of uh, t-shirts and posters and the imposter has a mixtape. We have a book coming out in May. So please consider supporting the show. You can get a book with Drake hugging a moose on the cover, pay for Canadian content, steal your HBO and AMC, support the local team here. Hell yes. As passionately as I'm going to encourage you to give us money, I want you to steal your HBO but support Canada Land. And get those letters from your ISP telling you to be careful. Yeah, but don't click on anything, okay? Patreon.com slash Canada Land. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free 
with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. I want to introduce this topic by playing you a little bit of tape from uh, what happened in Parliament when the news got out that this very, very high-profile reporter, Patrick Legasse, at La Presse, had been targeted by the Montreal cops, 24 warrants. They had been surveying him and his phone, his GPS whereabouts, everyone that he was talking to. And Thomas Mulcair, who I will miss dearly, Thomas Mulcair stood up and asked Ralph Goodale, public safety minister, what the fuck? (laughs) Uh, And he asked the question in French. So I'll paraphrase it. He said, are you guys, the cops, the RCMP, CSIS, Montreal cops, spying on any other journalists? And here is the concise answer from Ralph Goodell. Mr. Speaker, while this current issue is entirely within the uh, jurisdiction of the province of Quebec, and this morning the Premier of Quebec has made a very important pronouncement in that regard, we all, I'm sure, in this House believe profoundly in the freedom of the press. It is a value that is enshrined in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. A Supreme Court judgment has laid out the rules that must be clearly followed. And those high standards are reflected in a ministerial directive that guides the, the operations of police federally. So they are. <laughs> like he wouldn't. There's somebody, right? Like it, clearly, if he's talking about there are guidelines for it, it's happening somewhere. It's probably happening more than we know. I mean, we know that they monitor media more than ever. One of my colleagues tweeted out a picture of a of an email he got from some sort of FOA request of people talking about an episode of your show. And so clearly, we are being monitored. I guess the question is when it goes from being monitored in our public activities, like my sitting down with you right now, hi, CSIS, or whoever's listening, or... It's our private lives. And I think that's what's so disturbing about this case in Montreal is it's his cell phone being tapped. It's not them watching your tweets. It's not them reading your stories and trying to get between the lines or listening to people making public statements on public radio and trying to figure out, you know, who's a friendly journalist or not. This is invading the personal private lives of reporters merely for the fact that they're good at their jobs. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things that I could be outraged about by this. And I'm outraged by so many things that it's hard to really register that this is like 11 on the scale. So you're absolutely right that the fact that they were surveying everything about his private life is just disgusting. His location. How scary is that? Yeah, but the professional side of it, because there's another category, like you say, there's what you put out there publicly, uh, your tweets. And and as a reporter, there's that which you publish. And that's fair game. You know, collect that stuff, study it, whatever you want. The implications of the cops following his whereabouts and reading his email on his professional life. We've talked about this before in terms of the RCMP demanding that Ben Makua Vice hand over his files. What you do when you seize control of a reporter's communications so that you can learn who their sources are, you are destroying journalism. You're destroying the capability for a source to communicate with a reporter and feel like this is an avenue for me to get information out. No source is going to come forth to a journalist and give information that is on an anonymous or confidential basis if they suspect, and in this case they know, that while they're talking to the reporter, they are also being surveyed by the cops. 
it is an assault on a, the free press. It is an assault on the ability for us to do our jobs at all. Yeah, it's a chill, right? It's a source chill. We talk about libel chill. It's a different kind of chill. We already have weaker protections for anonymous sources in Canada than a lot of other countries. It's a very rigorous test you have to pass as laid out by the Supreme Court to not identify a source if you are subpoenaed for it. Like, it's quite a high bar, the level of public interest and responsible journalism you have to prove mm-hmm. to legally protect a source. And you have to be quite clear when you're dealing with anonymous sources that there is a good chance if you're subpoenaed, you might not be able to protect them unless you're willing to go to jail for it. Yeah. And and that's a scary thing to begin with. And now the cops might be listening to us all the time. Like, that's terrifying. And like you said, there's just so many things to be outraged about about this story. I think what I'm really concerned about is I don't feel like this has popped the media bubble. I feel like it's being seen as like journalists drinking each other's bathwater and are upset about this together. If this was the States, I feel like there'd be a much broader public discussion about what's going on right now. And I feel like we don't have that same adherence and like cultural identity with freedom of speech as they do in the States or in other countries or in Britain. And I feel like the level of public outrage on this, to me, has seemed kind of muted. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you completely that this is within the media bubble, but I also don't think that that bubble is doing everything they could. I think the reason why in the States, I mean, yes, the, like this culture of protecting freedom of speech is a big deal there. But also, if ever there was a case for journalists to stand in solidarity and say, hell no, it would be this. I don't feel like we're loud enough on this. And it's interesting to me that Radio Canada signed a letter where 10 media organizations in Quebec decried this. CBC, to my knowledge, has not. So you got Thomas Mulcair advocating for a free press. You know, it's getting covered, but there are certain issues where we're okay to be partisan. It's okay for the, for the media to take, to take a side. But let's keep counting the ways of why we should be outraged by this. One of them is this would be outrageous if the cops were doing what they said they're doing. Even by the letter of what they said, here's a reporter. We want to know his sources because we think his sources are cops. That's And that's part of the thing I don't understand here in the judge signing this warrant. It's not like they're saying we think they're cops and he's somehow like a node in their criminal activities. It just sounded like they wanted to know who the leak was. Yeah, they want to know who the rats are in their own ship. But even that I don't buy because if you actually look into this, like I say, wasn't on that story. Yeah. Uh, and then here's what he said about it. He said, it's really a witch hunt disguised as a criminal in- uh, investigation. That's what the reporter who's being surveyed said. He said that he heard rumors in recent weeks that he was connected with this police corruption case, which was surprising to him because he had never written about it. And this is another quote from reporter Patrick Lagasse. To me, this was a great pretext to try to investigate a reporter who has done numerous stories in the past that have embarrassed the service. Wow. So the implication there is it was not even a genuine attempt to do what they shouldn't be doing anyhow to to find these leakers, that this was some sort of retribution or just basically putting a wire on a reporter because he had identified himself as a shit disturber to the cops. Let's monitor what this guy is on because he embarrasses us in the press and let's follow him for that reason, Uh, which is an incredible abuse of power. The other reason why this is different than other stories, there have been stories of the RCMP breaking the rules and surveying journalists. They were following the rules. They got the warrants. So this isn't just about the cops abusing their power. This is about the courts. And there's a conversation happening now in the province about this justice who signed these like at least 24 warrants, who himself was like a criminal prosecutor, worked with cops his whole career. 
And there was a legal opinion that uh, the New York Times, which actually kind of had the best piece on this, Ian Austin wrote it. Just like if you wanted a clear breakdown, there was more detail in it than in the Canadian press's coverage of this. But Ian Austin, the Canada correspondent for the Times, asked this uh, professor of constitutional law at the University of Montreal. This legal expert said that several court decisions, including one by the Supreme Court of Canada, had long restricted the police's ability to obtain warrants to eavesdrop on journalists. So this one judge who who authorized this to happen may have been going against precedent set by the Supreme Court of Canada. Right. And the fact that he was a prosecutor and has these ties to government and to police forces, I think, makes that so much more suspect. And what I find so interesting is it's not like this hasn't happened before. I think sometimes we can have short memories with our own journalistic history in this country. I mean, some of the reporters who looked into the Mulroney-Schreiber affair were subject to, uh, I don't know if it was outright surveillance, but I know they did have warrants and their houses rifled through and and things of that nature. So I, I don't think we're very good at communicating the import of these issues in this country to the public in a way that doesn't make it seem like it's the media whining about doing its job yeah. again. Do you know what I mean? I do. I feel like there is stuff that this opens up that is tricky. It's helpful to note that there are precedents. And this is actually something that uh, the premier in, in Quebec, the, the only person who's taking this like seriously, like Goodale, you heard him. Yeah, completely. that was a bizarre answer. What happened to the super media friendly liberals from the 2015 election campaign? Yeah, would you, I'll Trudeau, take your questions guys, stop yelling. They're just doing their jobs. And now Goodale's just gave nothing there. Yeah. But Premier Philippe Coulard said that uh, people have died for freedom of the press. It's a fundamental freedom. And we are going to do something about this. We're going to make sure the journalists have a, a higher standard of protection, the same standard of protection from surveillance from the cops that judges have, that lawyers have. So at least within Quebec, I think there is an uproar and it's hitting the public. And they're going to have a, a um, an inquiry now yeah. in, in like a provincial inquiry, which is great. And there has always seemed to be a better tradition in French culture, not just like Quebec French, but France, like that whole idea of privacy and removal from surveillance that I think is probably fueling a bit more of the outrage in Quebec than we're seeing in English-speaking Canada. And isn't it interesting that that same passion for privacy and and assertion of that right goes hand in hand in cultures where there's an aggressive tabloid press, like yeah. you know, <laughs> like that those two things are linked. That demanding that certain things be public goes hand in hand with with absolutely refusing to have your privacy invaded. So it's it's hurting that the premier is taking this seriously, but it brings up something. Okay, so he's going to go and make sure he says that journalists are going to get a higher standard of protection, so that there is going to be in law a difference between the cops getting a warrant to survey Joe Blow or a reporter. So, am I Joe Blow or am I a reporter? Right. And that's always the question, right? Who counts as a reporter who's acting in the public interest? So that will open its own can of worms. Like, will it only be established media organizations, as you say, would something like Canada Land qualify? Like, it it really, it raises a lot of questions about how they'll define that. I think the scarier questions right now are the fact that our public safety minister was not willing to say this is not happening. Yeah. I mean, the thing that you do is once you do have the government giving a higher protection to journalists, you essentially have created government-designated journalists and government-designated non-journalists, two different statuses, which is a tricky concept for those of us who, you know, depending on uh, where we fall in that, you know. Uh, so I, I guess don't even... they could always ask their friends in the NSA to do it for them, right? Because of the <laughs> weird, like, CSIS can surveil Americans more legally and the NSA can surveil us more legally. And then they share their information and it's a friendly little 
That's it. And you know what? You're pointing to some of the uh, information sharing from surveillance outfits. This is not unrelated to Bill C-51. This is not unrelated to a lot of the new powers for law enforcement and and surveillance, which the liberals are on board with. Let's not pretend otherwise that this assault on the press is happening under a liberal government. So Ashley, we're going to thank one of our sponsors right now, Squarespace. If you need a website... I would suggest Squarespace be the place that you go and get one from because they're kind of already done. They're done. They made the website already. They made a website that works. All the technical stuff is figured out. The design is figured out. And you just pick which one you want to be. Your website for your business, for yourself, for your portfolio site, freelancers, small businesses. This is the place to go if you want to turn a potentially very tricky, drawn out technical process into just something that you take care of in a day then do it through Squarespace, where there are seamless commerce tools from nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shop. Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world. And they give you all the tools that you need to track your inventory process orders and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code CanadaLand you will get 10% off of your first purchase. Okay, duly noted. All right, so my duly noted is this idea that wind turbines are ruining rural Ontario. There was an article, an opinion piece in the Financial Post that was from a freelancer that we ran today, and I guess I'm disagreeing with my own brand. But it's emblematic of this bizarre narrative that wind turbines are somehow killing the pastoral aesthetic of rural Ontario. Now, I don't know if it's because I played too much Civilization Four, where you had your little wind turbines would like upgrade to look cool and modern as you got into like later years, but I've always loved that juxtaposition from an aesthetic perspective when I'm there. And the weirdest thing in this argument was this idea that people are going to stop going to places like Prince Edward County because there's wind turbines there. And it was just ludicrous. Like I'm not going to not go wine tasting because I could see a, a wind turbine. Now, there are some valid concerns or questions about placement of turbines near bird sanctuaries and ecologically sensitive areas. Legitimate questions, but I don't think we have sound science on that yet. And to suggest that like Wolf Island has been devastated by the presence of wind turbines, to me is akin to the trumped up pseudoscience that goes behind like anti-vaxxers, anti-fluoride. It's the same kind of stuff. You hear about these like fake illnesses people get from living too close to wind turbines. And it's just part of this whole package of bizarre anti-science, anti-progress thought out there right now. Wow. I got to think twice about what I read in the post. I I was so compelled by that piece because he described them when talking about how they kill flocks of birds. (laughs) The writer described them as lofty Cuisinarts. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's such a, like a visceral image that it creates in your head. There are probably some birds who are being killed by wind turbines, right? Uh But if we just continue to destroy the environment with a ton of coal burning and dirty emissions that create sort of a bad environment for birds to begin with, like are in the long run, are we going to have more or fewer birds from having green energy and some of them dying in wind turbines or from just continuing to burn a bunch of coal and letting all of the Arctic ice melt? I don't know. I guess the scientist needs to do those numbers for me because that's not my strong point. I kind of know. I kind of know that probably wind turbines are okay and that the wind turbines are uh, are an inside job. Uh, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> lunacy. So 
duly noted. I'd like to duly note that uh, your problem with these wacky freelancers in the post may be over because the National Post uh, has announced that they're done with freelancing, among other things, at least according to uh, a memo f- published by Frank that came uh, supposedly from the Ottawa Newspaper Guild talking about changes at Post Media. There's more news and it's not good. Unless you're Paul Godfrey. If you're Paul Godfrey, it's good news. Your contract is extended by another two years. So as was pointed out on Twitter, that young media upstart doesn't have to worry about employment. Uh, he's been snapped up. Well, at least they think, and it was, it was it's till 2020. It was more yeah. than two years. So at least oh, if Mr. Yes. Godfrey's going to be employed till 2020, there's hope for the rest of us as well. Yes, hope springs eternal. However... The buyout plan at the post did not hit its projected numbers. Not enough people took the buyouts. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. Tuesday. They might get there. I hope they get there because if they don't, it's going to be more layoffs. And um, I just wanted to duly note that that's awful and that your colleagues are thinking about you guys. And it would be better if that doesn't keep happening. As a wise man named Paul Godfrey said... You don't know when you're cutting through the bone until you've done it. Terrifying words from your leader. Maybe we just need a billionaire like Jeff Bezos to buy us and make all our problems go away. I also wanted to note that uh, the Ottawa Citizen looks like they're losing their arts and lifestyle sections. Please hold back any jokes about there not being an art scene in Ottawa to cover in this solemn moment. Duly noted. Our other sponsor is Frank and Oak. And Frank and Oak makes clothes for men and now makes clothes for women. Yay. Do you buy clothes online? Yeah. I like buying clothes online because I don't like buying clothes in the store. And it's just about finding the brand where you know that the sizing works and you know that you like their stuff and you know you can return it if you don't like it. And for me, that is Frank and Oak. You know, yeah. where things fit and how they fit is a particular thing. So when you find something that works, and I like the style as well as the fit, uh, I stick with it. And that's why I, I do a lot of shopping at frankandoak.com. They have new clothes all the time for men and for women. The November collection is out. And if you are shopping for women's clothes, if you go to frankandoak.com slash first, you'll get 15% off. And if you're looking for a men's outfit, go to frankandoak.com slash first dash time. And you can get an outfit, pants and a shirt for 79 bucks, which I think is a hell of a deal. Check it out, frankandoak.com slash first hyphen time. So media policy is not something that gets people all that excited. But the truth of the matter is everything we do exists under this umbrella of the media policy. Of, like I, You don't realize this when you start working in this field that people, I want to work in television, I want to work in film, I want to work in news media, that a lot of things have already been determined by how subsidies and tax breaks And all of that is getting reconsidered right now, complete top to bottom national consultation by the Heritage Ministry. And Ashley, I'm not so sure about our Heritage Ministry. Okay, so what makes you not so sure about the Heritage Ministry? What's got your goat? (laughs) I'm starting to question their very basic competence based on a series of silly things that they've it started small and, you know, it was a new government and Melanie Jolie was the new. Is it the At Canada account? Is that is that no, what has got it, you down? It, not even that. Okay. First, first she was just finding her, her bearings and she said something about how the CBC needed to be more like Vice. I was like, well, that's, that's an odd thing to say. 
And then she said, uh, we're doing these consultations and we're focusing on distribution because the quality of the content is already there. Let's stop saying that Canadian content isn't quality content. Has she looked at CBC Comedy lately? One might argue that quality is exactly the problem. That that is the problem is that despite the fact that we make sitcoms and we make hour-long shows and we make movies and we have magazines, we have newspapers, we have websites, we have everything that grown-up media producers have, but the, it's just not good enough. Might be an argument that somebody who lives in this reality would make, but she says there's no, there's no, it's not the problem quality. Then she said, John Doyle pointed this out. Uh, she asserted that foreign streaming video companies, including Hulu and Amazon Prime, are, quote unquote, part of our ecosystem and are used and liked by Canadians. And she said, we want to make sure that while we know that they're using a large part of our spectrum, that we can have a conversation with them to see how they can participate. But we can't get them here. They're not part of our ecosystem. You can't get them. I would love to get Hulu and Amazon Prime. Please give me that, Heritage Minister. How are you doing this? What secret VPN does she have access to? Like, please let us have HBO Go. Seriously. So she didn't seem to know that. And I don't want to just pick on her because her office itself is kind of dropping the ball in little ways. I don't mean to make this. Okay. I get this email out of the blue from her, from her press secretary they're having a consultation in Toronto in like five days. Can I be there? And uh, did I get the email? I said, I didn't get any email. It's like that friend who's like, hey, my party's tomorrow night. I just want to never heard back from you. And like both of you know that you were never really invited, <laughs> you know, and we got to. Like, five days is pretty good notice for government okay, event, man. Except for the fact that that <laughs> the day in question was Yom Kippur. Oh, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. And, you know, attentive listeners will note that I did still do a Canada land on that day. And we know that they're attentive listeners because we saw the emails. How do you do a media consultation in Toronto on a day when Jews can't come? I don't mean to perpetuate any stereotypes here. There are a few (laughs) Jews who work in the media. I had to Sandy Koufax that one. I'm like, no, I I can't come on Yom Kippur. Like, that's, that's a bad look. But they said, okay, we'll be in touch. We'll still find a way for you to participate. And then they didn't get in touch at all. And then I get an email saying, do you travel for work? We have a consultation on Monday in Edmonton. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but I thought I'd ask. That's what they sent to me. It's not just me. Sachi Cole over at BuzzFeed, she got a couple of emails from them where they called her Scotchy Cole or F Cool. And, uh, asked so they to- want you guys to fly there to like be panelists or what? Okay, so they're talking to supposedly everybody, the public and media, digital new media and, and the incumbents, okay, and trying to figure out what works. But they are not doing their diligence to make sure that new media is there. They are making sure the CBC is there. And the CBC went before the committee and spoke to a bunch of MPs. So I feel like to what extent do I want to participate as just like um, they're just like – Crossing off, yeah, we spoke to new media. We spoke to digital media. You know, I'll participate. I'll write something down. I'll give them my position. My position is like, stop funding my competitors with government money. I'm not looking. I think you're a very different example, though, than a company like BuzzFeed or a company like Vice that has a lot of money behind them and are already competing well with Canadian outlets. Like, I think you're a a made in Canada. Yes, independent. You and might I say think, that I'm the kind of thing that maybe they want to see more of. Exactly. If they brought out a policy that somehow ended up giving companies that are based in the States, like we have very stringent Canadian media ownership rules that some companies push the boundaries of with their stock ownership and whatever. Who would do something like that? I don't know. But 
I would be not pleased if this strategy ended up with American-based or American-funded companies getting the bulk of the money. Oh, my God. Way, if they or were, any share, frankly. If the subsidies end up going to foreign-owned companies mm-hmm. that are competing with me, that would really suck. But the 800-pound gorilla is the CBC here. And what this should really be a conversation about, because I think what, that the landscape that is getting described in the future is going to be one where when it comes to, to news coverage in Canada, the big player that is emerging as everybody else is just getting destroyed is the CBC. And I think, look, the, historically, the CBC was started to counteract the presence of American radio coming over the border. And we weren't getting enough Canadian culture and we wanted more coverage and a connection and a national identity. And I think that the CBC has an important place in the Canadian media landscape. What I think I want to see more of is their mandate and their direction from government requiring that they're spending more of their dollars outside of the big media markets like Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. We've seen them open a few bureaus. They're in Kitchener-Waterloo. They weren't there when I was growing up. I love seeing that. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of remote or smaller communities that don't have a newspaper anymore, like Guelph, Ontario doesn't. Is that Kitchener-Waterloo Bureau tasked with covering Guelph City Council? Like, I think that that local news coverage where we're losing it, the CBC mandate should be harder on that, just as the CRTC should be harder on private broadcasters crying poor when they're part of super profitable billion-dollar corporations saying they can't afford to keep these local, local news channels open when they're basically given a monopoly on our content and are the reason we can't get HBO Go in Canada. If nothing else comes out of this of value, let us at least look at the CBC's mandate. I think that issue number one is regional coverage. And amongst some very silly questions that MPs had for Heather Conway of the CBC and Hubert Lacroix when they went before them, uh, there were some silly questions about why they don't put the beachcombers online and things like that. Uh, Hetty Fry had that one. But there were questions about regional coverage. And uh, one MP noted that Radio Canada had had cut four hours a day from St. Boniface. There are tons of of smaller markets that need the CBC there because, you know, I I had Ian Austin and and I had Jessica from BBC Canada. What these foreign news outlets that are setting up shop in Canada are not going to do is that foreign coverage. So definitely... Like, yeah, they're not going to be going to a small town and covering a city council. They're explaining stuff, big news in Canada to a domestic audience or an international audience. Yeah. And I, I think the CBC has an important role to play there. I think also there is perhaps a role for government in easing some of the tensions at local newspapers that are getting close to shuttering. Here, you and I may differ. I, you know, you work for one of them. And yeah. uh, I think that... I, I, I like my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we subsidize a lot of industries in this country. Yeah. And there's a public good in funding or giving tax relief to private media. Like, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a handout. And I know there's some hypocrisy here because I rail about corporate welfare all the time when it comes to private companies. Like, I think there should be some free market competition going on. But the other side of the token is if they don't do anything, there's going to be entire governments that aren't being scrutinized enough. And it's already happening. There is a quote from the guy who wrote The Wire. It was on a John Oliver episode about like the next few years are going to be like a party boat or something like that for corrupt politicians because they just will have no oversight. So I think that there's like a public good here to helping ensure that some of these local papers stay open. And if those are the strings that are attached to any kind of bailout or funding, then good, then all the better. 
There is a problem there if you are on a lifeline by the people who you're supposed to hold to account. But I think that we can exist with a certain amount of contradiction. We might even be able to exist with a certain amount of hypocrisy. The CBC is in that situation and they still, to to a certain extent, hold government to account. I'm going to make a different argument, which is let's just say maybe it's possible that newspapers are doomed. Maybe newspapers as we know them are not going to turn it around. And that's not even a Canadian problem. Maybe that's just the way it's going to be. And maybe in the absence of newspapers holding governments to account, something else will come because that is important and that's important to people. And you can convince people to support that. And it might not be ever as profitable as it was. It might be something that the academy that it comes out of universities, it might be some kind of a nonprofit situation. It might be a much smaller online, whatever it is. Let's just imagine that all around the world, 10 years from now, newspapers are gone and that job is getting done with maybe a rocky period in between when government is not held to account the same way that it has been, but it gets there because that is important. And we find ways to pay for things that we need. I look forward to eternal leader, Justin Trudeau. (laughs) Do we want Canada to be some weirdo state-supported exception where we don't allow that process to play itself out and where we artificially support companies that arguably have not been serving their readers very well at the expense of upstarts that want to step into that space and directly answer those questions, directly serve those regional markets directly, like give me five bucks a month. I'll be the journalist who just follows the mayor around. We're going to see laid off post-media journalists finding new roles for themselves in offering those services to people of this country unless companies like post-media are kept on life support. And I think that that's, that's a, you know, in a, a an ideological sort of utopian world, that might be a good way for it to shake out. But I think in the short term, there does need to be some kind of relief. And I don't think it needs to be discretionary. Like, it doesn't have to be something that we'd lose if the government got angry at us or whatever. I think it could be tax credit based. Like, there could be ways to do it that it's sort of set up in a way that it's equal for everyone. I mean, there are, there, I guess there are always going to be questions about who you give it to and how you distribute it. And is it fair? And I think those are important and valid questions. And I don't know how comfortable I would be with government being the answer. I'm hoping there might be other answers for newspapers as well. But let's not pretend that we don't already have bizarre parochial industries that we prop up or don't support in other ways. Like, I mean, okay, look at supply management. If you have a dairy farm and you just want to have your own cows and milk them and make some raw milk cheese and give some stuff to your neighbors. That's so illegal. Yeah. And what does the National Post have to say about something? We should like get that? rid of supply management. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing this from a very different perspective. I used to hear these people saying, oh, my tax money and I'm trying, I'm just trying to, I'm a businessman struggling. And, and, and it, it got folded in my head under some kind of like yeah. some right wing libertarian argument that I wasn't that interested in. I'm seeing this from the perspective of a small business person right now. And it That's app- how the right-wing libertarians get you. you oh, be- no. First, you become a small business owner. It appalls me that my, that my own government with my own money is betting against me, right? And we're seeing this to return to the CBC. They published an editorial, basically, under their media releases, and it was unsigned at first, called Get the Facts. A public broadcaster belongs in the public space. I want to take a second to, to get into this thing they published because it's uh, – a very dishonest piece of writing, okay? And it, it supposedly has to do with the, the fact that the CBC, instead of amping up their regional coverage, are, they're launching an opinion vertical, okay? 
And uh, what this editorial said was, uh, recently some opinion writers, oh, those are damn opinion writers, recently some opinion writers have suggested that CBC Radio Canada should not offer opinion on its websites or even have a digital presence. They appear to believe that this will help their businesses and will serve the interests of Canadians. Neither is correct. Limiting access to the digital public space is not in the public interest. CBC Radio Canada does not exist to serve the interests of private businesses. It exists to serve the people who use and pay for it. All Canadians. They want us to be where they are. And then when some people pointed out, like, what is this unsigned editorial? Heather Conway's name, head of English services, popped up on it. So... What is that? It is some defense that they should be in the business of publishing editorials. That That is very misleading. Okay. So I think there's a couple things going on there. One, I really don't think the CBC is the reason that newspapers are failing. Like, I don't think that all of a sudden if you got rid of the CBC, a bunch of people would start paying for news again. That's not realistically what's going to happen. Right. I think the argument that CBC has a role to play in writing analysis or opinion is intriguing in 2016 when we've sort of moved beyond the idea of, and there's a lot of younger readers who no longer believe in the idea of that sort of third party lofty objective journalist who has no stake in the game. And opinion and analysis writing can actually add a lot of valuable perspectives to the national conversation. I think one of the defenses I would say in favor of CBC's opinion coverage is how well TVO has been doing it. And they just kind of quietly started Mm -hmm. running a lot of opinion. And it's been great and thoughtful and really diverse. And I think if CBC does this right, we could start hearing some really cool stories out of like Iqaluit or out of, you know, medicine hat or places that we don't usually get a lot of opinion writers. I think where the CBC could fail is if it's the same 15, 20 opinion writers in Toronto who always fight it out on Twitter over everything, doing it on the CBC now. I agree with you completely, but I don't want to fall for the trick here of having a conversation about whether or not CBC should do opinion because that's not actually the debate that's going on. They should not run online ads, though. That's what this is actually about. Okay, so, yeah, if I had to choose between CBC investing in regional coverage or opinion, I would rather they be investing in regional coverage. But absolutely. They should probably do both. And you know what? Their journalistic standards and practices do not allow them to have opinion. It's going to be very interesting the first time they actually run something controversial. They need to throw that shit away. And they've never followed that. Rex Murphy has always done editorials. Michael Enright does editorials. It's always been a stupid rule in their book that they've never followed. Okay, so. Have at it. Publish opinion. The problem here, and it was brought up by James Baxter at iPolitics, CBC has a billion dollar plus budget and their website is a powerhouse. Okay. It is one of the most trafficked websites in the country and they are in direct competition with any online news startup for ads. So iPolitics called them a super predator. If you go and say, hey, CBC has not been doing a good job on politics. CBC has not been doing a good job on this little region. I'm going to fill that gap and they see you succeeding. I'm hearing from publishers that the CBC will immediately come and compete with you. They'll start doing stories out of your community to compete with you for ad dollars. And we said earlier that if there's one thing the CBC mandate should be revisited about, it should be regional coverage. If there's a second thing, it should be if you care about CBC and love CBC because Radio 1 doesn't have ads, you should know that Everything the CBC is doing right now has ads and that radio is converging with digital and digital radio, a.k.a. podcasts, have ads. So now I'm in James Baxter's position. You're right, Ashley. 
if the CBC got out of the online ad business, that wouldn't have that big a benefit for National Post because the display ad business is in the crapper anyhow. But if you're running a teeny outfit like James Baxter's and you actually do require that revenue from display ads, CBC is a real threat. They, they really are competing with you. Same coverage, same stories, but they're running ads and they're competing with you and, and they're, they're stopping your business from reaching its full potential. Now CBC having abandoned podcasts for years is getting back into podcasts. Great. I want to see them making podcasts. They're going after the same advertisers that I am. Forget about me as a businessman. If, if you are a CBC lover, if you're a lover of public broadcasting, this is when people need to stand up and say, I don't want ads on my CBC radio. Maybe if they need... More funding beyond what government should give them. They should go the PBS NPR route. I mean, they've fundraised for years. TVO fundraises. Fundraising could work. But the thing is, you can have a pretty damn good news company for a billion plus dollars a year. Yeah. I think that they could make their lives a lot easier and remove a lot of the politics from their eternal struggle for existence if they said, we get enough money to run a pretty good public service broadcaster here. Maybe we can't do reality TV shows anymore. Yeah. Maybe we can't do like BuzzFeed style articles anymore. I think but, but they maybe do we need should, to focus. You know, like maybe that, that was not a good idea to begin with. Yeah. You and know? I, I like I get like there's a, a good funny web team there, but I agree with you. I think CBC has tried to do too many things and then it's almost lost the heart of the quality. So either we need to go full blown on CBC where we give them a ton more money like the BBC gets and there's like four BBC channels and they actually produce really cool innovative stuff because they're given that kind of freedom or we say to the CBC, okay, a billion dollars is a lot of money in Canada to run a media company. We want you to focus on the core values of regional news, of original innovative drama and maybe comedy writing they used to be good at it once upon a time um (laughs) and radio and sort of lean that down and be like you will not do the silly viral stuff you will not do the unnecessary kind of reality stuff because you don't need to create an audience to bring people in and i and and they have that audience it's baked into the system they'll always have the leg up maybe the whole thing needs as part of this heritage ministry thing the CBC mandate needs to be streamlined alongside whatever they do or don't do in the media landscape. I'm going to be debating this uh, on Friday in, in in Vancouver at UBC. They actually wanted to set it up as a debate between me and somebody from the CBC, but the CBC won't come and, and advocate for themselves. So it's a bunch of former CBC people, Sue Campbell and Rachel Nixon, and then Stephen Maher. And, uh, and anybody who's in Vancouver on Friday, check it out. Uh, just, just Google uh, or check my Twitter. We'll be talking about the future of the CBC. And you know what? You don't have to agree with me. I don't think they should be doing dramas at all. I don't know. There's a lot of jobs in production, oh, though, of TV. Jobs, but like, if we're just doing this to create jobs, that's not... Uh, I, I, don't anyhow, know. I think it's art. I have these debates with a lot of writers online who see value in that. Whatever you think it should be, and everybody in Canada has their idea of what the CBC should be, this is the chance right now. And we have not seen a big public outcry. The Heritage Ministry, they want to say we've asked the public, so they've got like a little place on their website where you can... No, people need to actually figure out what they want from the CBC because now is when the actual mandate might be revisited. People should speak up, and and I think that regional coverage and ads should be a focus of what people talk about. Ashley. Jesse. This was fun. Always. That is your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me anytime. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send me and I respond when I can. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Ashley, where are you? 
Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Ashley Chinati. My last name's weird to spell. It's C-S-A-N-A-D-Y. Our website is CanadaLandShow.com, our crowdfunding site. I won't be asking you for much longer, so come and help us out now. Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. I make this show with Kevin Sexton. Syndication is handled by Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.